This is episode 13 of Don't Be a Scrub podcast. My name is Spider aka Verbose Mute on Xbox Live. My interviewing partner is Mutton, aka Muttonhead01 on Xbox Live and PSN. We've been away for quite a while. This was due to a number of interesting and I suppose random occurrences happening. I moved house. Both Mutton and I are now working full time. It's been getting harder and harder to also organize ourselves to do interviews and whatnot. Plus, with all the preparations of Shadowloo Showdown coming up, we've sort of been, in a sort of way, Martin's been running Chris's Clubhouse Fallout, and I've been sort of doing the Deacon thing on the side, but anyway, this time around, we actually have a monster of an episode. This episode actually has broken the all-time length of the show. It now clocks in at two hours and four minutes, breaking the previous record holder of heavy weapons of an hour and 28. To tell you the truth, I think the only time we actually really stopped, and the only reason why we did actually stop the recording was because my recorder was actually running out of batteries. We could have just kept on going. One other thing I need to mention before we get on with the interview is that uh, we will no longer be doing transcripts of the podcast. And the reason for this is, I'll just give you an example, an hour worth of content in audio form takes Mutton about five, approximately about five days to actually transcribe and put up on his page. Again, an hour of content transcribes to about 50, around 50 pages in just your standard Microsoft Office document, which is actually quite a lot and it's quite time consuming. And like I said, that Martin is working full time. He doesn't have as much time to actually just sit around and transcribe. So we're gonna be moving to an audio only podcast. Um, You can still also always find the link on Martin's blog. And yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. So we hope you enjoyed the interview. This is Salty from Shadow.com and you're listening to Don't Be a Squad Podcast. Stay salty, Australia. Okay, so today we are at Deakin University uh, for the special LA Revelations stream Stream. that we did both Saturday, Sunday night Mm. for Toxie being in LA for the tournament, Mm. which we thought was quite good. Had a lot of interesting people turn up. And one of those interesting people is one of Melbourne's top players, easily top players. Easily top players. um, Who's been around for quite a long long time. time. And of course, we are talking about Akira. Akira. So, hi Akira, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> so, Akira, I mean, you're kind of like the, this hidden dragon in the Melbourne scene. Like, you don't enter too many tournaments. Like, can you tell us why you don't enter console tournaments? Uh, because, first of all, I'm an arcade bred. So, I don't really like console. And I don't even have console. I never practice console at home so i just don't see any point in me entering the tournament because when i enter the tournament i prepare without preparation tournament is not a tournament it's not a place to compete so to me if i don't have a preparation i won't enter ah i see what you mean i see what you mean so i mean what do you actually do like when you prepare for a tournament arcade tournament 
I do a lot of thinking, say, on wake up, what can this character do? And what are the options I have? And on top of that, I try to sort of predict the likelihood of particular moves that the particular player is, you know, how do I put it? It's like I, I prepare character strategy first, and then I try to find a glitch, not a glitch, but a sort of like a... Abusable scar. strategy? No, like a, say a person has a particular habit ah, that okay. I can take advantage of. I see. I'll Weak. look for that. So a weakness. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I usually try to tell them, but yeah. sometimes they don't listen. Okay. Sometimes they think that I'm a smart ass. Mm-hmm. And I take no offense to that. Mm. But I mean, I've always wanted the community to sort of grow. I see. So... But that's my preparation. I sort of look at the character mm. and look at the person's the weakness. Person's weakness. So I mean, does that mean that like in all this time, like uh, for people who don't know, Akira is a master in master rank in Japan for Sagat and also in AE, right? Yeah. Just for your information, it's not hard to mm. actually become a master mm. using Sagat in vanilla. Mm. Anyone mm. pretty much could become a master. <laughs> So yeah. that doesn't really grant any special status. Okay, but I, I guess I wanted to ask you. So does that mean that you never spend any time in training mode? Like all this time when you were working on your characters in the arcade, like all the combos, all the setups, you all learn in the arcade itself at a cost of like fifty credits every time you you play. The thing is, you don't have to spend money to learn something. Mm. Sometimes I just you know, if I'm really serious about the game. Mm. I go and watch top players play, mm. and they do certain things, mm. right? Mm. What's important is why they do it, not mm. what they do it. Ah, and see. if you could reach the answer yourself as mm. to why, why they, they do, do it, it. Mm. and you go and ask them, mm. you don't go ask them without even looking for an answer yourself. Mm. But if you sort of had the idea mm. and go and ask, and if you get the right answer, Mm-mm. then that means you are thinking on the right track. Mm-hmm. And combo is something you can practice in practice mode. So mm-hmm. sometimes I go and play against computer mm-hmm. every now and then mm-hmm. to practice a combo, especially before tournament and stuff. But I like I said, I don't like console. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe all the top players in Japan, mm-hmm. they practice on console quite a lot. Mm. Amazing amount of time. Mm. But I don't do that. A, because I'm lazy. Mm. B, because I'm not that serious. Mm. And C, I just can't be stuffed, honestly. <laughs> I used to do that for Surge Strike, but mm. not for Street Fighter 4. Fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, the whole point of fighting games for you is like, it's a way of thinking rather than, I mean, how you approach fighting games is not just about, you know, a video game or, you know, KOing characters, but a way of learning. It's about Discipline. Discipline. And- yes. It's like some people don't really know what's going on because mm. they don't have enough sufficient knowledge mm. of the game. Mm-hmm. But say the players themselves, mm. if you play at certain level or above, mm. you can see what they're thinking mm. and try to sort of beat that. Like I enjoy the, the aspect of the mind game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like 
I continuously think it's like a philosophical thing. Mm. It's a bit of a bull, but mm-hmm. yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 That's when fighting games start to transcend just being a video game and becoming like a, almost like a, like a martial. Mm. An actual sport. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that I'm not really physically fit to say, mm. go for triathlon or mm. something like that. Mm. I can swim, ski and do a few other sports, mm. play a few other sports, but I'm not excellent. Mm. So obviously, Human mm. are more inclined to do something that they can do they can better. Do it better. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I understand because, like, for example, I, I used to love playing basketball, but unfortunately, I'm a short Chinese guy. So <laughs> I don't think Chinese part <laughs> has anything to do with it. But well, you know, a Chinese man can't jump. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so why 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 try to do something that I just don't have the physical talent to do? You know? If you really enjoy. Mm regardless of the result, mm. then it may be good. It may be However, good. as a person, I'm <laughs> slightly more competitive than yeah, the others. Yeah, yeah. So I play, say, sports yeah. that I keep losing, losing, and losing. Yeah. Then I start to really, you know, find it boring. Boring. So mm. I get more frustrated than, you know, mm. Yeah, people are drawn to the things that they can excel at. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, <clears throat> so that's sort of an interesting point, though, because you say if you keep losing, but do you think why you keep losing? As in, from the perspective of, you think that over a certain period of time, you would sit back and say, okay, I'm losing because of X, Y, Z, and then you work on those things, right? Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, thinking, bring the sort of fighting games is, how do you think about that growth period and I think that's probably one of the best things about fighting games is you start off at point A mm. and then actually you come back, say, two or three years later and say, look how much I've, look, look how differently I'm playing today. Mm-hmm. So couldn't that be the same thing in a sport as well? That sport, I thi- in sports? In sport, it's more of a physical thing, like you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have physical attributes. Mm. Yeah. In video so, games, you don't. Well, yes. you do, but not to that extent. Not to that mm. extent. Like, yeah. Some things come to factor, like reflexes, that kind of thing. Yeah. But you can train reflexes to a certain point. Yeah. Can yeah. I just say one thing about reflex? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I know that some players have very, very quick response. I mean, mm. they have like lightning speed reflex. Mm. But most of the players mm. whom I know they are considered as good. As godlike. Oh. They ha- or go like a top level. Mm. They have average reflex. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, Tokido, who is considered one of the five gods of fighting games in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. He said that his weakness is anti air. So, mm-hmm. kind of implying that his reflexes are kind of average as well. Is, is he an example that you're, you're talking about? That he's more I of a haven't player. really watched him play, or mm-hmm. I don't really know him in mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. so I can't really say mm-hmm. definitively. But mm-hmm. I think. He knows that he doesn't have godlike reflex, mm. so he tries to overcome that mm. by having a more solid defense. Mm-hmm. If you can't anti-air, mm. and then you will have to block the opponent's mm. air attack, right? Mm. After that, there will be more attacks to follow. Mm-hmm. And if he's confident enough to sort of defend it, you know, mm. okay. the con- you know, sequence, okay. then he can, you know, be fine. So, so, so on that topic, who is the most godlike reflexes player you ever seen in your in your travels? Because I live in Nagoya in Japan, yeah. Momochi and Kindebu, without doubt, they are godlike in every aspect. aspect and even reflexes and all these other things. Kindebu is talented in mm. every single way. Mm, mm, mm. And I, I 
just don't know why, but he seems to be able to adapt really quickly. To any character, any situation. Yes. Mm. Mm, I, I get what you're saying. Some people just pick it up really quickly, right? Yeah. From the American side, I would probably say Flo and Ricky Ortiz would be in that mm. area. Because mm. when you look at Flo, he's multi-talented across of different, course, all different of types of fighting games and different types mm. of games. And speaking of like reflexes, do you think that there's a, in fighting games there's an age where you can, can you're kind of past your prime that you can't play at your maximum efficiency really, like an age factor? Yeah, I used to believe that there was an age factor, mm. and that would be around twenty five. Mm. And now um, we are all past twenty five. Really. Way above twenty five. <laughs> but mm. all I can say is, mm. if you put enough effort in, you can overcome that. Mm. Look at these top-level Japanese players. Mm. Like some of them are around that age, but some of them are clearly above. Like even over thirties, mm -hmm. they can play. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know how old Sako is, but he's over thirty, isn't he? Mm, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah he's Nuki like, as well, right? Mm. Yeah, isn't Nuki over thirty? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, Daigo is thirty. Yeah. Daigo well, then, then Nuki should be thirty or twenty, late twenties, around mm -hmm. that age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... So as, so now you, you reconsider, you, you think that the age factor might not be such a big thing anymore. Okay, what I'm about to say may be very offensive, <laughs> but anyone who uses age factor as an excuse <laughs> is already losing. Mm. Okay. Because I used to do that and I know that it's an excuse. Uh, fair enough, very fair enough. So I guess we've kind of got gone in the deep side of the of the questions mm. right off the bat. So you mentioned Third Strike a little bit just now. So why don't you tell us about your history of fighting games? When you start playing fighting games? I started playing very young. I think I started playing around 13, mm. 14, like year 7, mm. after primary school. Which is in Japan? Or? Yeah. So you were born and raised in Japan? Yes, I was born and raised in Japan. Mm. I spent one year in LA, mm. not LA, uh, California. Oh, yeah. awesome. One year mm. when I was very little, I think I was five or six. Mm. I had to go there with my dad, mm. I mean my family for mm. dad's research. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I was purely raised and born mm, like Japan. in Japan. Mm. and. I started playing Street Fighter 2 mm. and I played a number of other fighting games. Mm. I even played 3D ones like mm. Virtual Fighter 2, 2 mm. Virtual Fighter 3, mm. maybe not, but I played Virtual Fighter 2 a lot mm. during my high school period. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I entered a few tournaments, mm. I made it to like regional qualifier, I won like that tournament in the one particular arcade mm -hmm. and I went to the regional qualifier and I got body raped. <laughs> I got raped. But yeah, it was good fun. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I just liked it so much that mm. I kind of neglected my study. I see, I see. And if you're listening to this and if you're still doing high school, you better study. <laughs> because nothing is more important than your future. Your paycheck. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I played since 12, 13. Mm. And then, yeah, I came to Australia. No, actually, hang on. I went to Malaysia on mm. exchange mm. back in 96 mm. for a whole year. Mm. And 
I wanted to actually see outside Japan because、mm. I was kind of rebellious、mm. and my parents were really strict. So I kind of sort of got into this bad habit of wagging classes or not going to school. I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling this, but yeah. It's okay, your parents then, don't know here. <laughs> and then, yeah, I went to Malaysia and I saw the world. I mean, it's been, you know, exaggerating, but I saw world outside Japan and I realized、mm. that, you know, Japan is a small country and there's much more to it、mm. in this world. And I got to know this guy from Ballarat、mm. and he helped me enroll in Ballarat High.、Mm. So I went straight to do two years of VCE.、Mm. And then, yeah, I finished high school in Ballarat.、Mm. But then I wanted to go back to Japan because Ballarat was. I wouldn't say a bit boring, but、mm. there was nothing much to do. Yes. There were no arcades. There was one, but I wasn't really playing arcade much. Ah, okay. So this would have been what, around 98? 98. Yeah, I finished my high school back in 98. Yeah. I, I spent one year in Malaysia,、mm. the whole year 96, and、mm. I did year 11 and 12 straight after that.、Yeah. So I completed at the end of 98,、mm-hmm. and I applied for. Morgan University Law School, but I didn't think I would get in、mm-hmm. because everyone said that it, it's really a hard、yeah. course to you know, get in, to get an offer. So I was sort of like already determined to go back and just you know, enroll in Japanese university.、Mm-hmm. My parents kind of wanted me back too.、Mm-hmm. So I went back and、mm-hmm. then my bad habits started to sort of come out again、mm-hmm. and I didn't really study hard or I just you know, kept going to arcade or you know, playing other things.、Mm-hmm. and And then two years later, I'm cutting the long story short.、Mm-hmm. I'm trying. Yeah, and I came back here、mm-hmm. because I, have, I had an offer、mm-hmm. from Melbourne Uni、mm-hmm. Law School and I started it. But then this is quite an you know, easygoing country. Yeah, yeah. And at university, it's like I don't know about other f- sort of faculty,、mm-hmm. but for law, there's no attendance. Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to have like 80% attendance for tutorial in order to sort of, you know, yeah, even yeah. be marked as pass or, you know,、yeah. not. So, yeah, it took me quite long because I did four year course, but it took me like six years or something. I mean, last couple of years I was only like doing two or three subjects.、Yeah. But yeah, and that was because partly of third strike, come <laughs> <laughs> to think. Yeah. So, yeah, first. Couple of years at uni,、mm. I wasn't that heavily into arcade because、mm. I was enjoying university life、mm-hmm. and I was doing other things. It seems very interesting because you and me sort of lived very similar lives to the same perspective. When my family moved to Australia in 92, I played Street Fighter 2. And I basically played fighting games, or particularly Street Fighter 2, all the way from 92 till 98, where we moved back overseas. And from, about, from what I gather, arcades sort of started to die off in Australia in about 97, 98. And then we had that sort of the death era where 3D fighters were very popular, arcades were on the download, the consoles were basically ruling everything.、Mm-hmm. You still only had very few pockets of、um, fighting games and arcades in general. And arcades more turned into more ticket machines、mm-hmm. rather than actual cabinets themselves, which was interesting. And then when I came back to uni as well, In 2002 in Australia, it seemed to be the same thing. I sort of came back and I wanted to go to an arcade, but there wasn't any arcades. There was only Blue House, White House. Exactly. A lot of arcades shut down in late 90s,、mm. I think. They were forced to shut down because they weren't making mon- much money. And like, 
at one point I kind of like went to arcade and mm-hmm. I had nothing to play and okay I started playing Gundam yeah <laughs> right because I had lots of Japanese friends mm-hmm. the first couple of years I sort of try my best to sort of make friends in law mm-hmm. or in university mm-hmm. who are non-Japanese mm-hmm. I don't mean to be racist or anything mm-hmm. just that I didn't mm-hmm. think that having lots of Japanese friends around me mm-hmm. would benefit me in any way mm-hmm. in terms of language mm-hmm. right? I see what you mean because yeah. I used to fail English mm-hmm. back in high school in Japan mm-hmm. so it's like I had to you know polish my English I had mm-hmm. to improve in my English language skill mm-hmm. especially given that I was studying law back then I mm-hmm. couldn't even write a proper essay without asking my friend to actually check my grammatical errors mm-hmm. like I had major you know mm-hmm. mistakes that I don't even want to look at yeah. nowadays anyway so yeah and then like after a couple of years I started to you know pick up Gundam and you know make <laughs> friends with these Japanese yeah. I wanted to just play a fighting game on a little bit on side yeah. mm. and there was third strike yeah. I don't know if you two know Locke yeah, the, the guy the, yeah, the hockey guy yeah, Locke yeah. he was one of them yeah. I started to slowly you know make friends with the hon- honkies mm-hmm. people from Hong Kong mm. who were playing third strike mm. I practiced 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 because back then Kevin aka coach mm. was known as the best mm. And I said one day to him that you being the best doesn't mean you can't be beaten. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to prove that. Mm. And for that particular reason, mm. I went to the OHN for the first time back in 2005, mm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I came second mm. after Paul T. Mm-hmm. Paul is very talented, by the way. Mm-hmm. Had he continued to stay mm-hmm. and had he practiced Street Fighter 4, mm-hmm. he may have become even closer to Topsy. Mm-hmm. And he, coincidentally enough, uses Akuma <laughs> in Surge Strike. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's how I came about to mm-hmm. Surge Strike. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I altogether played for three years quite seriously because I got out of Gundam after mm. I started taking Surge Strike very serious mm. and practice, practice and you know I even go to Sydney every now and then to sort of you know compete mm-hmm. sort of wasted the opportunity to strive for academic excellence I see because of it well that's the thing with I mean Australian universities as you're saying previously they're a lot different to other universities especially around the world as well like you said, there's basically, for certain courses, there's absolutely no attendance required. All you have to do is just show up to the exam and pass. It's more of a thing where in high school and primary school, you have compulsory attendance where the teachers look after you. But exactly. in university, it's basically considered in Australia, once you've made it there, that you chose the course that you're doing and you're going to be responsible enough on your own to study on your own mm. and be able to do it. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of people sort of miss misunderstand what university is really about. It's about self-learning and being able to adapt to any situation, which is sort of similar to fighting games as well because, yes, there's a community there, but in a way you have to sit down and self-understand and self-learn mm. of what you're exactly you're trying to do and achieve. Mm. And then, you know, once when you learn that, apply that in an actual real-world environment. Mm. I completely agree. I guess I sort of shifted my energy mm from studying 
to fighting game yeah. and few other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably why. I mean, before coming back here, mm. like I was really, really sort of excited, and I was happy, and I was motivated to put lot into you know mm. doing well in law school. Mm. But then once I got here, mm. it's so relaxed. Like you know, you walk down the street, mm. like you pass in front of the pub mm. around twelve or one in the afternoon. Mm. People drinking beer, going cheese, and <laughs> they go, "Oh my god, can I join?" It's like you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I mean, I don't regret, mm. but if I had another choice mm. to go, say, to ride on a time machine or something, mm. I may put a little more effort into studying. Mm. Because at the end of the day, fighting game is not not something that is going to put food on my table mm. for me, at very least. Mm. So you know, I needed something else mm. to support myself. That brings us to the end of your third strike career, where you went to you went to Sydney. Uh, so tell us about when you went to for your first tournament in Sydney with Rodmo and Heat. Oh, that okay. All right, there's a bit of a time gap between mm. finishing the third strike mm-hmm. and starting Street Fighter Four mm-hmm. because my third strike career, I mean, <laughs> sort of like not career, but mm. playing third strike seriously ended mm. back. In two thousand seven, the mm. year I entered the SBO, representing Australia. Yeah. So what year was that? Two thousand seven, I think, mm. or six. I'm not really <laughs> sure. It could have been two thousand six. But before that, there was a tournament called the World Warrior. Yeah. And we asked for all the foreigners. Mm. I mean, technically, I'm Japanese, mm-hmm. but because I never played in Japan, mm. I had no outside exposure. Yeah, so I was allowed to play on the as Australian. Australian yeah, and I entered that tournament. There were about forty-two mm. from eight different countries, mm. and I won the tournament. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, after that, that was like held a day or two before a day or two before the actual SBO, mm. and the actual SBO, we got raped. <laughs> Me, yeah. Horn, and Kevin got badly. <laughs> beaten by KO, mm. one oh. of the godlike Soul Strike legends. Oh, yeah. Wow. Then after that, I sort of stopped playing. But what what a highlight! Like to finish your career in at SBO, mm. right? What was it like? Like you go on the stage and then there's a crowd and there's like yeah, just smoke. And- but it's it was too much of a pressure because like mm. back then, right? Mm. Uh, every year, mm. like a bunch of foreigners mm. go to Japan and go to try themselves try. out and they all get their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Even Justin won. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so it's like for us our aim was to pass the first round because yeah. I think that year there was one team from no actually not one. Two or two teams from America, mm-hmm. one from we West, West Coast, Coast yeah, West East East West, you know, mm-hmm. and one from Australia, mm-hmm. one from China or somewhere, I forgot, mm-hmm. but one of the Asian countries. Mm-hmm. And like everyone was saying that ah, none of them will make it to you know mm. second round, mm. and all of them were right yeah. because I think that was the year that Pyro Lee. It was the that was the year before Gutex went over. Oh, okay, two thousand and eight. The year so the year before Gutex, Justin was, Wong went. Yeah, Justin Wong, Pyro, and uh, I think it might have been Doctor Sub Zero. Oh sure. I don't know. I just remember that, like mm. from the very first SBO. Mm. Mm. Till the year that I entered, mm-hmm. all the foreign teams lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. Most of them OCV'd, mm-hmm. except for Justin Wong and 
uh, what's the partner of him who lost to Croda? Justin and was it Ricky? Ricky Ortiz? Yeah. Like it was two on two mm. and Justin and someone lost to Croda's Q. The famous story. No, that yeah. was 2008. That was the Gutex team. They're good. Oh, was it? Yes, because Gutex lamed out the oh no, Q or the... It, that was like one of the very first ones. Yeah, mm. no, yeah, that was... But I'm pretty sure 2008 Gutex mm. was the um, team that actually made it past the first, first round. round. Mm-hmm. And mm. it must have been a big story. Because, yes, it was. Because every year... All Up the foreigners hope for passing the first round, yeah, and their dreams like shatters <laughs> in the yeah. first round. Like it's I like, mean, considering last year in Super Turbo, the US team that was the first team ever to pass the first round mm. uh, in Super Turbo. Third Strike was the first game ever where mm. a foreign team actually made it past the first round. Mm. I'm pretty sure that was the Gutex team. Mm-hmm. Actually, we like, can ask him in three weeks' time. I'm yeah, sure so it's like it was really hard. I mean, there was so much pressure, mm. and back then there was this rivalry between Australia I don't know even America even I don't even know if America actually was aware of it but like Aussies were saying that uh, like we're better than Americans and Americans were saying what are you talking rubbish what mm. you know kind of thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and like there was this heated discussion between mm. who's better my urian or ax urian ax mm. is like the best urian in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and we are actually good friends mm-hmm. we sell them but occasionally talk mm on Facebook and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we both say that, oh, you're good. You're mm-hmm. good too. Mm-hmm. But then like, it's just like toxic and bomb. Mm-hmm. Supporters talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, yeah. So we wanted to pass the first round, mm-hmm. but then we found out the first rounds against MOV, mm-hmm. Boss, <laughs> and KO. <laughs> and then ne- the team that was last boss. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you play an RPG, yeah, you have the last boss, yeah, like, yeah. The, the most strong one. Yeah, yeah. So, and we faced that one at level one. So what, did MOV <laughs> team win the SPO that year? He, that team got OCB'd by Rikimaru, oh. MOV's apprentice. Oh, okay. Mm. So which was the year the MOV won SPO with a broken I think a e- couple of years later, that year, yeah. Umezono's team won the SPO oh. in Surge Strike. Okay. And that's how I got to know him really Umezono. well. Umezono, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so like, yeah, keep and and then after mm. the SBO, yeah. I stopped. I was you know just playing a few other games, mm. and then Street Fighter Four came out. Yeah, first I didn't really have much intention to play, but I guess I was kind of like craving for fighting game, mm. so I played a little bit. Mm. And because I used Urian in mm. Surge Strike, which is a charge character, mm-hmm. I used Dictator mm. Bison, Bison, mm. which is very interesting because most people never know you as a Sagat player. Right. Mm, ask Bomb. Bomb knows. <laughs> there was a, a post in Ozahado yeah. talking about my dictator yeah. a little bit. But yeah, I think it was because Madenka? Madenka EU. Yeah, was trying to give advice of dictator. He said something about as a Bison player who has been possibly regarded as the best, if not one of the best. Mm something like that and then Johnny said my dictator was better or something I really don't think so but anyway mm-hmm. yeah so because he Johnny clearly remembers that the very first vanilla tournament mm. that we went to sort of you know mm-hmm. <laughs> declare war against Sydney <laughs> we came 
in first three. Mm. I mean, now it's probably seen me, you know, sort of mm. rules. Mm-hmm. Only Toxie puts up a really good fight. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that this year will be somewhat different. But. I think this year we've done a lot of work. Well, I can't say we, but Melbourne has done a lot of work. Mm. And I think certain people have really grown mm. um, a no, lot not over me, the last year. Scrub. Yeah, well, you and me still suck. But <laughs> no, no, no. Our top players have... The, the, the people who consistently make the top eight in Melbourne have gotten better. And there's a greater variety of people who make top eight, like Pharaoh. Exactly. Pharaoh, yeah. Somniac has really become solid this year. Mm. Um, mm. So we're hoping that Melbourne will put out a better fight. Well, we, we shall wait and see. But oh. yeah, anyway. Mm, yeah, so yeah. I played just one tournament yeah. back in 2008. And I left the country for mm. like... A year and two months. I left in October 2008 mm. and I only came back 2010 January. Mm-hmm. But when I left, I didn't intend to come back. Mm. The only reason why I came back was because I wanted to get my legal practitioner certificate mm-hmm. and I had to do practical legal training, mm-hmm. which at the time of me leaving back in 2008 mm. wasn't available for a number of reasons. Mm. I had to put myself on a waiting list, mm. right? Because I'm an international student. Mm. I'm an overseas, you know, mm. individual. So I had to actually, you know, put myself on a waiting list. Mm. I couldn't really study, say, online or something like that because I won't be enrolled as a full-time student and the immigration won't really, you know, grab yeah. me a visa. A visa. Yeah. So I had, you know, a visa issue. Yeah. So I left. I started playing after about eight months, like mid-2009, mm. not, not mid, about all, around August, yeah. September yeah. 2009. I realized that this, not the system, but more institute open mm. to provide that training course. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there were seats available. Mm. There were spots available. So I wanted to actually apply, see mm. if I'm lucky enough to be you know, enrolled in it. Mm. And I was, so mm. I came back. Mm. And by the time you already had a lot of arcade time in Japan. Yeah, for Street Fighter, for like mm. Vanilla, yes, I did. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you, you, you I first mm. only went to one particular arcade, mm. five minutes drive from my parents' place because mm. I went back to my parents' place mm. when I left this country. And then I played a few days with Dictator because mm. obviously I was using Dictator mm-hmm. here and I, my you know, instinct was to make a card with Dictator. Dictator, yeah. And then after about 40, no, actually, after about 50 matches, yeah. I faced a huge wall, like a hurdle. <laughs> this this GF, no card, seems a scrub who doesn't care about anything, just... Churn the battle. Just, you know, <laughs> doing the spinning 360 SPD all the time, yeah. all some random... Lariat, yeah. <laughs> random green hand, yeah. and back then I didn't know how to punish, yeah. and I got so salty. I got <laughs> so salty. Seriously, <laughs> I was thinking, right, which character can give GF a headache? Mm. That bald headed Muay Thai fighter, Sanda. <laughs> okay, right, I'm gonna pick that one. All right, and then <laughs> I switch my character. Yeah. Within a week. Yeah. I was able to actually use it, not properly, but to a minimal standard yeah. where I can do all the 
basic combos yeah. and do the basic anti. Of course, you just had to press heavy kick only. Even, <laughs> you know, it's not much of a deal because back then, kara uppercut, mm, it's like not, the the moving forward yeah, uppercut, it's not discovered. Was was not discovered. So who discovered all this technology? I don't know, but I was one of the Sagat players in the area mm. who was able to utilize it mm. because, like, say. Back then, there were a lot of Sagat players, right? A lot. No, yeah. In, in Japan, yeah. I mean, even just in Nagoya. Yeah. And some of them, like, say, for example, if you block Ryu's heavy sweep, hmm. it's, I think, minus 13 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 14? Yeah. And you can cut uppercut. Yeah. But then only cut uppercut is the punish yeah. that Sagat has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Can you ultra? Yes. Cannot. Sagat's ultra will not hit unless you block at the at the right distance. Yeah, I mean point, point blank. blank. Oh, because you have to travel forward. And and, takes uh, Sagat's ultra is ten or eleven, but no one would make you know <laughs> will be kind enough to sweep point blank <laughs> and let me block it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the the minus frames on reuse sweep in super are very deceptive because you can actually hit him. Um, when his actual back is turned to you. The issue is you um, have to be very quick to actually input. So when the when the actual, you know, when the foot hits you and you have that spark, mm-hmm. you have to actually input the motion and press the three buttons when that spark ends. Then you can actually punish it. It is extremely difficult because you only have one or two frame window to do it. And it has to be basically a Yomi sort of effect. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and the thing is, I'm pretty sure Sagat's Ultra will not be able to punish mm. Ryu's heavy sweep because mm. of the fact that it has to travel. Mm. It has to travel That's forward. That's the other thing. Uppercut yeah. comes out in five, mm. but you need to have about 14, I mean, about 12, 13 frames. For the Kara effect. Yes, yeah. because you have to travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it's a tip of it, yeah. you need extra, like more than a few frames to yeah, actually yeah, yeah. travel. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, I, I, I mean, I practiced a lot with Sagat and I yep. started going to all these different arcades yep. and I play even Momochi, I get raped, I play, I didn't play Kindeva, I don't think. Oh, maybe I play a few games, I got raped, not mm. to mention, and I play a few others, but then I sort of learn mm. more and more. Mm-hmm. And for example, like back then, if you can't play Sagat Mirror well, mm. you're shit. Mm-hmm. Because there were so many Sagat, right? <laughs> and if you were to enter tournament, mm. inevitably you have a lot of responsibility as a carry of the team, and they will have almost inevitably Sagat on the opponent team. And you mm. will come to Sagat Sagat. So if you can't deal with Mirror match, mm. what are you gonna do? And I hated Mirror originally because my tiger shot shooting skill was really bad back then. <laughs> Mm-hmm. because I like to attack I don't mm-hmm. like to just sit at the back and tiger shot tiger shot oh you come jumping on the car uppercut thank mm-hmm. you or like trade uppercut ultra thank you mm-hmm. I don't like that kind mm-hmm. of style I like to push push and push with tiger knee mm-hmm. so yeah I didn't really study so to speak mm-hmm. the mechanism of tiger shot mm-hmm. as much so when do you improve your tiger shot game over uh, time just I started time. to know top Two top play, Sagat players mm. in Nagoya, mm. uh, Pierre mm. and Dixon. Mm. And these two players, like, they were really good mm. in that 
mirror matchup. And yeah, I sort of started speaking to them and I asked for advice. Mm. I practiced, practiced, and they started to sort of recognize me mm. as, you know, one of the, you know, top five or whatever, top 10 or top 200 or top 2000, I don't know, mm. but like mm. one of the good players. As a peer. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But then, unfortunately, I had to leave mm -hmm. because I was coming back here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, just a little follow-up on the aggressive, mm -hmm. like your aggressive nature yeah. and, and you wanted to attack more. Do you think that's because you played third strike? Or because third strike is very fundamentally different to Street Fighter 4? Well, one in the mechanics, but also the way Street Fighter 4 is more traditionally closer to Super Turbo mm. in its playing style rather than um, Third Strike. Uh, I think... Where, I mean, I've heard certain people, mm -hmm. certain people in America say that in Third Strike, life is basically irrelevant because you can parry out of situations and you can catch up on, on life deficiencies because of the parry system. But in Super Turbo, you can't make up life. Well, you can't basically get, get get out of a super move by parrying the entire thing. You have mm -hmm. to take certain chip damage. So life has a bigger factor in, uh, in the game. Mm. That's an interesting point. I agree to that. I But the reason why I'm aggressive is because I just am impatient, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's like, say, if you're young... Mm. And you have a lot of time, say you're a student, right? Mm. You have a lot of time and you don't have much money. You go to arcade, you will do whatever it takes to win. Mm. Because if you lose, say you've only got $5 to spend mm. for the day, mm. you lose in five matches, go you either go home or watch other people playing. And that's so much salt, right? <laughs> so you have to make that last for as long as it can, mm. right? Mm. So winner speaks. Loser goes home. Mm -hmm. So I would wait if I had to. But now that I've, you know, sort of grown older mm. and money is not so much of an issue. Mm. I mean, sometimes still is. Yeah. But then it's like I find it a little boring just sitting in the corner mm. and just waiting for the opponent to make a mistake. Because mm. mm. like... I like to play the mind game. I don't like to wait for the opponent to make a mistake. In real life, you can't take risks in a lot of things, so you wait patiently. Mm -hmm. I do that outside the fighting game. Why do I have to do that in the fighting game? I mean, I don't deny some other people doing it. Mm -hmm. That's fine. They have their reason. But I choose not to. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Very interesting. So, so if I attack very aggressively and I lose, I might get salty depending on the situation, but I will eventually accept it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. So uh, you were talking about your the your BP rank in Japan. So mm. uh, do you, and then you're saying can you tell us about your win rates, your point ratios, that sort of thing. Well, when I first started playing in Japan in a little arcade mm. near my place, mm. I had about after first five hundred matches, I had about ninety four. Ninety four win percentage. Yeah, because mm. after about five months, mm. no five six months, I lost my card. Mm -mm. I mean, I lost my wallet. Mm -mm. So. I lost the card. I mean, I had Sagat, Gief, and Dictator, <laughs> and I lost all of it. Yeah. I mean, of course, Gief and Dictator, ah. I was just mucking around, yeah. right? Mm. But Sagat, I had about 2,100 matches. Mm. My win, win rate was about 91 point something, mm. so 91 to 92%. Mm. And my BP was 
50,000. Mm. And that is very low for mm. that win rate, mm. given that I played 2,000 matches. That's mm. because I only go to a particular arcade. Mm. So if I go to, I mean, go up to certain BP, mm. I will only have people, oh, sorry, I only have people, I mean, players who have much lower BP than mm. me. And you, so by winning them, you gain very little. Well, five. <laughs> so that's why mm. people started to sort of say that I'm a scrub hunter in mm. Japan mm. on BBS, mm-hmm. although I have done nothing. Mm. And like some people just pretend that like, you know, oh, I fought that guy and he, you know, he just disappeared really quickly in the speed of win yeah. when another top player came to the arcade, like, which is not true because I've never been to that arcade or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so these things started to happen and like I wanted to actually sort of explore a little more. Mm. So I started going to other sort of arcades. Mm. I mean, especially after I moved because I started my graduate school mm-hmm. in law mm-hmm. in the middle of Nagoya mm-hmm. at Nagoya University. So I moved because I was technically living outside Nagoya, mm. but now after that, I enrolled in that course, I started, you know, mm. living in Nagoya in the middle of it. And I had a lot more arcades around it. Mm. So I could go as I continued to play with a new card. Mm. Of course, my win rate was very low. Mm. But then I started to sort of, you know, gain more experience. Mm. What's the name of the new card? Sorry. Oh, you mean my player name? Yeah. yeah, yeah. BOC. BOC. What's mm. that mean? Boshi. Boshi. Okay. Well, it's... It's it's a kind of weird story because, like, I used that nickname mm. already back in Search Strike, ah. and people said "boc." That sounds so gay. That means balls or cocks. <laughs> and I go, "No way." Show the true maturity of the fighting game. Scene. Yes, mm. the thing is, my surname is Hatori, mm. right? And my username in Ozhado mm. is Akira Hat. Yeah, because I'm Akira Hattori, so I use Akira hat. Hat in Japanese is called boshi. Oh, okay. So I just you know use boshi appropriate alphabet mm-hmm. to oh. represent that. Oh. That's all. Okay, okay. That so it sense. doesn't represent balls <laughs> or cocks, <laughs> neither of those. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that that was my name, and yeah, I still remember every time I check. BVS, mm. I was so scared that like, they have a thread for yeah. Aichi Prefecture yeah. where Nagoya is in, right? Yeah. Nagoya is the center of Aichi, yeah. right? And every time I check that particular thread, yeah. I was so worried that maybe they will talk about me as being a scrub <laughs> hunter and like, this guy is a fucking weirdo or something like that, you know? See, that's really interesting because the world perception of Japan is that Japan doesn't actually do those sorts of things. That they everybody don't. Everybody respects each other. They don't if you'll be found out. Mm. But they do if it's anonymous. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's, that's where the that's where the message boards come in because mm. everybody's a keyboard warrior on the internet. Yes, yes. So even in Japan, there are tree monsters. And <laughs> well, in this case, thread monsters. Thread but monsters. Yes. yes. Yeah. And like sometimes they get information from nowhere. I mean, half the time it's lie, mm. but sometimes they 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 get hands on particular piece of information where no one else could have possibly known other than the people who were there. Mm-hmm. And like, 
you can't really ask every single one of them yes. like did you write that shit did you mm-hmm. did you you can't do that because mm-hmm. then it's gonna sort of create a bit of you know awkwardness mm-hmm. you, yeah so okay but yeah so my name was boc I and i still use boc yeah that's i mean i actually continued to use that old vanilla card when mm-hmm. the ae came out mm-hmm. so yeah yeah okay so the actual cards are transferable between vanilla and AE. And AE. Yes, and now AE, if you lose your card, you can actually use your mobile phone to retrieve the data and transfer it to a new one. So you have a backup system, whereas you didn't have that in vanilla. When Takeda came down, um, he came down. He actually was showing me that mobile app on his iPhone. Awesome, which is pretty cool. Do you wish we had that in Melbourne? Like, I guess it's not possible because technically, well, our arcades are, are illegal. By well, technically they're not illegal, but they're not actually networked to the Japanese yeah, network. They're yeah, yeah, just networked amongst themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite nice that you brought up that point because I have a lot to say about that. Okay. One of the reasons why I don't play as much mm-hmm. here with Sagat mm-hmm. is because there's no BP. So that's like the addictive fact. Uh, like no, it's a it's sort of like, okay, BP doesn't necessarily tell you how good you are. I mean, because like you could just, you know, kill scrubs, yeah. beat scrubs and gain point. Yeah. But it, it, to some extent, it does show your consistency. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. So if you have, I mean, reasonably high BP and your win rate is not so high, mm. you're either gambling all the time, mm. hoping that you will win lucky, mm. or you challenge someone who is all the time. Yes. Mm. So it's like, to me, I use, I mean, it's like something that I may lose by losing the match mm. is worse, you know, playing the game. Because if I use Sagat, I mean, I always use you nowadays mm. because not because Yun's broken. I mean, Yun is broken. But <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that Yun can just randomly attack and can beat the opponent, you know? Mm. Mm. Just, okay. you know, mess them around. Mm. But Sagat, you have to sit like a fortress. Mm. You have to make the opponent move mm. and you take the counter. You sort of like, mm. it's more like a responsive sort of a character. Reactive character. Reactive character. Mm. So if there's no BP, mm. it's quite exhausting. For me to actually concentrate playing Sagat. Ah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because Sagat's damage is not as high as you know certain characters, mm. right? Mm. And like Daigo even said, and a lot of top players said that. Mm. I mean, I quote: "In this game, in AE, F- fireballs are shit." Yes, yeah. fireballs are shit. Yeah. It's useless. And I had to chip a little bit by little bit mm. yeah. with that, and you know, anti-air properly, mm. and all these things, and. It's a quite exhausting sort of match. Yeah, yeah. So mm. if opponent is only trying to just win one out of ten, mm. it's not worth playing for me. Speaking of that though, do you think that's because this game is very well, you know, compared to other Street Fighter games or Capcom games, this game technically has very low damage. Do you think if there was high damage like the way it was in vanilla, that um, it would be better? Mm. I was just say higher damage. Yeah, yeah. Fireball should have higher damage. <laughs> I, I don't really know. I, I think I read something about that in Ozahado, like if the sequel, I mean, if the new version, like updated one, like, you know, mm. changes buffs and nerves of the mm. AE mm. were to come out, should it have a higher damage or lower damage? And I think 
Gamogo. Gamogo, Shin. Gamogo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, Sydney guys always call Gay Mogo, so yeah, yeah. I remember him by Gay Mogo, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, he was saying that if it had much higher damage, mm. people are too scared to actually make a mistake because the punish would be so much. So then they play more defensive or Yes, mm. whereas if you have low damage, mm. people are actually. Taking more risks. Yes, I'm willing to take more risks to actually attack and stuff. And I think he does have a point because he does have a point, yeah. back in Vanilla, a mm. lot of people had so much salt because they make one mistake. And they eat 70% from Saka. Yes, and they, they have to sort of stand up. No? <laughs> but that's because there was only one character that did that sort of damage. See, if all the characters did that kind of damage or had the potential to do that kind of damage, then the playing field would be a lot more equal. And see, and this is where I keep coming back to Super Turbo, mm. where the majority of characters have, it's a very situational game, where, for example, and I love giving this example because it was just it recently happened at um, Ultimate Fighting Game Championship 7, mm-hmm. where Damdai fought Alex Vaya, and Damdai was using Old Hawk, mm-hmm. and Vaya was using Ryu. Now, that's basically, if you take a look at the, um, the actual tier lists, Mm-hmm. That's a favor in Ryu's. That's that matches in yeah in new Ryu's favor. Mm-hmm. But if Hawk knocks Ryu down, he has certain option selects which Ryu has a very hard time escaping. And it's basically one of those situations where both characters have a chance to win. You just have to be careful in what you're doing and know the match and know how to play the match. And it's a lot more unforgiving. Um, and I and personally, I prefer in that way because both people have to be careful what they're doing but also know when to attack and when to do the risk reward. When to, you know, because with Street Fighter 4, I feel that majority of people will just rush in blindly and basically just count on the ultra system to get them out of the way. And I'm guilty of this doing wake up ultras for people. But the other thing is people just do this and it just feels like that it's such a, it's such a bad tactic to me. It just seems that I sit here, I study the game you know, I try to play it correctly and then basically I just get blown up by Wake Up Ultra. And I think about it and it's like, why? Why do I even bother? Uh, I think Capcom is mm. a creator. Mm. They intended the game to be more beginner friendly. Beginner oh, friendly. definitely. So that's why they introduced the Ultra system, right? Mm. Mm. And in Vanilla, it attracted a lot of new players. Mm. At first but then people started to quit because of gif mm-hmm. gif was f- the very first you know sort of beginner killer so to speak mm-hmm. to make the beginners like rage quit yeah, yeah, yeah. because the the green hand yeah. spd green hand spd yeah. you know some beginners couldn't really escape and then sagat came mm-hmm. yeah then after the akuma came the heavy kick loop yeah. right and i think what you said about sort of scaling everyone's damage mm. to a, a certain level like where it's considered reasonably high with no sort of differences mm. between the characters. I think it's quite interesting because Akuma against Sagat, mm. it was always a fun match to watch in Vanilla. Mm. Some people disagree, mm. but like then people say, oh, Sagat's broken with one damage. But Akuma has so many, you know, Options. advantages in footies, mm. zoning, mm. wake up attacks and stuff, mm. right? Mm. So it was pretty much Sagat's like destructive, like crazy, insane damage. Mm. Again, and a little, I mean, more life. Yeah. 
against Akuma's, sometimes I can't see. I might as well just close my eyes and like gamble left or right. That kind of wake up setups, you know? Unbelievable offense. Yes. So, you know, it was well balanced. Mm. Yeah. So I think, you know, Mm. if everyone's got a high damage, it would be quite interesting to play Mm. and I would probably like it more. I just don't think that the general public would like to play because they would die much more quickly Mm. if there's a skill difference. Exactly. Right? That's what happens in Surge Strike. If you have a, you know, mm. diff- like different skill level. It's so apparent you die so fast. Yes, it's like me against Cyrus. Mm. Thank you, Cyrus. <laughs> it's like, you know, I always give him salt, you know? Yeah. Because, like, he doesn't know what to do against my character. Mm. And, like, I know what to do against his character. Mm. He can't even get in. Mm. If he gets in, he kills in no time. But isn't that a motivation factor for, for the person who's getting destroyed to get better? But then Street Fighter 4 wouldn't be as big as it is today if it weren't so beginner-friendly. See, this is the thing that I hate about it. I I hate about it that it is beginner-friendly. But then the scene wouldn't be like this if not for Street Fighter 4. That's not necessary. But the question is, do we want people like that in the scene who are just willing to give up if if they're not willing to put in the time to learn to play correctly? I mean, how many times have you been destroyed and you're still here? Well, I mean, there are people who start off not knowing the right thing to do, but they eventually grow into people that yeah, exactly. want to learn the right way, right? Mm. So for every random guy out there, there's there might be maybe, I don't know, one out of ten guys that will become valued members of the community. Exactly. So I think it's a good thing that making it more scrub-friendly is... Maybe it makes us... It gives us salt, but... But everybody the will big get... picture, it might be... A I big think it is mm. pros and cons. Yeah. Like... I think you're talking more of pros and you're talking more yeah, of cons. Exactly. Like, I, I agree. I mean, like, Capcom is, for them, it's business, mm, right? It's business. I mean, so it's for the arcades in Japan. So they needed to have a lot of players mm. who are willing to put coins into the machine to mm. play. Mm. And for that, Ultra was kind of successful, yeah. right? And then when they get beaten really badly, mm. they quit. Mm. So in the end, the ones who actually survived all this salt and continue to play and try to improve mm. are the ones who are only, I mean, who are hardcores. Mm. And see, this is my point because Street Fighter 4 is now basically coming, I wouldn't say to an end, because what it's done is similar to what World Warrior, <clears throat> what World Warrior did in 92. Is It started a movement of, I'll give you a good example, Zero Kill, right? Mm. Street Fighter 4 was the first fighting game that he played. And this is the one that he <clears throat> grew up on and the one that he loves. Mm. And he basically said when Marvel came out and when Street Fighter X Tekken came out that he will be playing Street Fighter 4 till the end of days for him. Mm. And I'm similar to like that with Super Turbo, right? Mm. But, but imagine how many people have actually picked up Street Fighter 4, played it for X amount of months mm. and actually don't bother to continue with it. Now, from Capcom's side, yes, I understand it's a business. They need to, they need to sell units mm. to make money, obviously. But in the long run, I think it's people like Zero Kill are the ones who will continue to buy all Capcom-based products mm. because they fell in love from that first game. That you know, and it's not just the game; it's more of the community aspect of the game mm. that really will make him a bigger fan of Capcom, which will continue to purchase their other products down the line. Mm. And I think that's the sort of people that you want to attract. Mm. as your target audience not somebody who will go out oh I remember Street Fighter blah 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 buys it and then never, and then plays it for a month and then never then never plays it again that's not the sort of member that you want 
buying your titles in the long run. So would you rather? It's have a, a quick cash in. Would you rather have a third strike where the skill the skill entry was so high that casual gamers couldn't get into it at all? Like that's that's, that's not that's not necessarily true. Third strike's entry level now seems very high, but when mm-hmm. third strike first came out, its yeah. entry level wasn't that high. Okay. Same as uh, when World Warrior came out. When um, Champion Edition came out because nobody played that game because we had Rainbow Edition mm. and then we had Super Street Fighter 2 which they compl- uh, had Hyper Fighting which was probably one of the best balanced of at the SF2 series mm. and then we had Super which was extremely slow and then we had the revolutionary Super Turbo who now people have played for almost 20 years and even on GGPO today, you can still get, like, when the Japanese Masters come online, you get people up to 130, 140 people going online and just viewing their matches. But there's still nothing compared to what Street Fighter 4 has done for the worldwide community. What Street Fighter 4 has done for the worldwide community is just reboot the community. It's made it even bigger than it was before. That's not necessarily true, because the time that we're living is completely different to the way when Super okay. Turbo came out. Why do you think, Akira? I think... I completely understand where Ego is coming from mm-hmm. because I'm probably one of those hardcore players. Mm. But given the fact that arcades are dying in Japan, mm. and I know that the companies, I mean, the, the game makers, mm. don't really want to spend much money, mm. it's no longer an investment. It, beca- it has become gamble for them mm. to actually make a fighting game. Fighting game. So... I can understand why they went for a short-term cash. Mm. I mean, borrowing your terminology. Yeah, yeah. So, because I don't think they intend to actually continue to make Street Fighter for series. I mean, like sequel or like mm. tribute or whatever. They're like one after another, mm. because they don't have enough resource, I believe. Mm-hmm. And SNK is a very yeah, good example of that. Yeah, exactly. As said, I mean. It makes me really sad to say this, but like even Tokida agrees, the, the arcade scenes die in the fighting game community mm. is near its extinction. Mm. That's an arcade form, but we yeah. have to move to the new new generation. generation. And I think to do that, this kind of community mm. sort of based sort of on console, on yeah. local meetups, and etc. Yeah, all these things is a good model mm. that we as Japanese mm. should actually sort of look up to and try to sort of not copy but learn from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what some of the players in Japan are trying to do mm-hmm. together with like some legendary legendary players mm-hmm. like mm, Daigo and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know much in detail, but I think that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's in a transition period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, see, I think the West has already gone through that transition period because our arcades basically died in the beginning of the 2000 era. Mm. You only have, what, five, six arcades? Mm-hmm. And even like Henry Sen's new arcade it's is basically based. console-based. He only has eight mm-hmm. machines and the majority are consoles. Where, where is it? Uh, Henry Sen's in New York. He has yeah. an arcade. Because Chinatown Fair closed down, right? So they open up a new arcade called the Next Level, mm. which is basically like a, it's like a like arcade land shop but with consoles and yeah. has arcade machines in it. Mm. Yeah, so I that, think arcade machines like very expensive. And oh, definitely mm. out of proportion. Like now, there's yeah. so when you compare an arcade machine to a console, a console will cost you 
say a brand new console or on release day will cost you about a thousand dollars. An arcade machine will cost you about five thousand for the board, and then another two or three thousand for the actual cabinet itself, which is far more than a console, which can then basically get more games into it if you wish. Now I know that Japan's working on the new system of where you can get multiple games on multiple um, of the same arcade, and that you know SNK again had that, that with the multi video system where you can put in different cartridges and stuff. But it's the consoles just outweigh the arcades in these, these exactly. days because i know that street fighter 4 ae in mm-hmm. japan i think when it first came out it costed about i think it was about twenty three thousand. uh no not that much in japan it was about 1.4 million yen mm. so assuming that the current exchange rate is about 85 about 15 16 grand mm. for two setups yeah. including everything mm. And that's still quite expensive, you know. Oh, definitely. Especially, no, I mean, for if, imagine if you're an arcade owner, mm. you buy that, mm. it might take a years, a year or years to actually get the money back. Mm. And Capcom may release the console version down as a download content or some crap in less than half a year. I mean, how are you going to make money out of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the other model that I think Capcom made a mistake on, where they released Arcade Edition with... 16 characters? You mean vanilla? Vanilla, yeah. Yeah, there were 16 characters. Yeah. And then the console edition basically had another 16. Another 16? Okay. I don't know, but a lot more. A lot more. And that pissed arcade owners off. Exactly. Really badly. I tell you, I want to voice this out because a lot of arcades in Japan decided not to buy AE because of that. Mm. Because it was more than 14 grand. Yes, the definitely. original vanilla mm. because of the the, the cabinet mm. Vulix it's really expensive yeah, right yeah. and someday actually because it's like kind of like a fighting game that hasn't been released for last 10 years mm. and it's going to be kind of like refresh start or something and they bought it mm. and within like what, how long was it before the about the console release Half a year? it was yeah. about a, about a year about, about a year yeah. but certainly not I mean no more than a year and a half, right? Exactly. Yeah. So they, even before they get the money back, mm. mm. they released their console version mm. and the arcade scene started to die. Mm. They basically completely invalidated the entire arcade scene. Mm. And this is in a way fault of the West because the West, the West's arcade machine or scenes died. And Japan was the only real you know, place in the world where arcades still have a huge um, presence at that time and that that's the thing because japan and you can correct me on this but from what i've you know read and understand is japanese arcades are a more of a social gathering place where young people go to meet and hang out and have fun because yeah. they don't because of the there isn't as many other social areas where they can go out and do yep, things the houses, right? are, they're, they're, the houses the apartments are, are you know quite small yeah. Def- definitely compared to Australia. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah. they have these sort of game like centers. House. Yeah, so they have these game centers where they can meet up and actually yeah. you know, then go off and do other places. Mm. But in say for example, like say if you have an entertainment complex, you have mm. an arcade, you have tempin bowling, you have exactly. karaoke, mm. I don't know what else you have, but like all these things are joined together. Exactly. So arcade is part of it to have mm. fun for like, you know, youth and even mm. slightly older people, mm. right? And I think 
people in West don't often realize is the fact that there, there are so many arcades, they compete with the price. So obviously, if one place has Street Fighter for dollar a credit and the other one has for two dollar a credit, this second one is forced to bring the price down. Mm. And there's like lowering price competition going everywhere. Mm. And especially if you're really keen to play, you go to the one that is cheaper, mm. right? Mm. And that's like actually arcades struggling each other mm. because they, they're not making much money at the end, mm. right? Mm. So it's really hard for arcade to actually make profit. Mm. And Capcom just doesn't seem to care. Exactly. Because more, all the money comes from console anyway. It doesn't mm. make sense for them to care about and arcade. Yes, exactly. And Capcom kind of knew that and that's why originally they weren't going to release arcade edition mm. which i thought was very interesting because the capcom arcade you know the, that division of capcom actually shut down in 2005 or something like that they basically said that they will be no longer making any more arcade machines or arcade games since they basically i mean originally they had you know capcom's places the one places and two places and three and then they basically moved to Sega's Naomi boards because they said, well, this is this division is costing us too much money. We're not getting any return. You know, we're not seeing the profit margins we want. We're going to outsource it to Sega. And that's when you had the Dreamcast, basically Naomi mm. 1, Naomi 2, Naomi. Those arcade systems. And then basically since after CVS 2 was released on arcade, and that was one of the last to show the arcade games which Capcom actually produced... Um, now, again, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong here, but that's from my memory and recollection of it. And then they basically, they shut down the entire division down. Yeah. And then I found it in 2008. Fascinating. They went out and said, oh, we're going to release Street Fighter 4 on arcade. They must have had someone like you who is hardcore believing in fighting game. Someone who had certain authority or power to mm. make decisions. But that's like one hell of a rare case. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how it came to happen. I don't. But I believe what you said, basically, you know. There was the story that, uh, I mean, making fighting game for yeah. arcade release is no longer viable. worth it. Yeah, yeah exactly. viable. That's mm. a sad reality. It's the world we live in. Yeah. But I mean, we do still have another form. Like we're in transition, like I said, and exactly. like you guys have shown the example, like we have a great community, which mm. brings us to the next topic. Exactly. I mean, how do we evolve the community into something better? Mm. Should we just have a community? as a gathering place or should we have a community where people sort of like may even from time to time have rivalries and try to sort of improve and get better mm. raise the overall standard mm. that is another question so then let's talk about the australian street yeah. writer community yeah. um, yep. especially now since i would actually say since vanilla came out the australian street fighter community or fighting game community sort of started to revive itself slowly now, I know sort of what I was from speaking from Toxie and some of the other players, before Super Street Fighter 4 and Street Fighter 4 Vanilla came out, there was basically only about really 10, 15 people playing fighting games in a higher competitive, competitive manner. And then we had this huge sort of influx of older people who used to play Street Fighter 2 that sort of jumped on the Street Fighter 4 bandwagon. And in a way, I would say it's also because there was an arcade release, people felt very nostalgic and went back to the arcade. Yeah. And then when console came out as an, you know, Super Street Fighter 4 as an exclusive, that's when we started, started getting this evolution happening in the Melbourne community. And we started up, you know, Couch Warriors was always sort of the beginning. Mm. 
But then the Couch Warriors was having an issue, at least in the Melbourne community, with the arcade people not wanting to go to Couch Warriors because Couch Warriors was seen more as casual mm. or arcade was seen more as hardcore. hardcore. But then the transition began when so console out. only came out. And then basically we had those arcade players playing in an older version and going, well, this isn't the new version. We want to play the new version. Let's step over to Couch Warriors and Couch Warriors started evolving. That's the sort of brief history of the mm. way things happened in Melbourne. But now you're actually, Akira, it seems to me like you're actually hinting at something higher than that, not just people showing up every week to play, but mm. to actually play for a higher purpose in like, a way. Like regimental training sessions. Mm. Yeah, well, something like that. Before I start, I mean, big props to Loki mm. for, mm. you know, having mm. such a successful, you know, community group mm. known as Couch Warriors. Not that I've attended before, <laughs> unfortunately, for a yeah. number of, you know, coincidental <laughs> reasons. Have. I'm you sorry. Have. You will abam. That's part of Couch Warriors. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I can't sort of, you know, thank him enough for mm. having such a great community. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So. But the other thing is, see, from Couch Warriors, we also spun off the, the, to Chris's Clubhouse. Then we spun off to where we are today at Deacon. And the so, arcade tournaments came back. And then back. the arcade tournaments came back. Yeah. So we're sort of moving to some sort of... A, Integrated kind of like exactly. no more arcade, console, clear distinction. But exactly. it's more of a hybrid, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, I think it's, it's a good thing, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, I mean, when I look at the community... Mm. Right? I mean, there are two types of, like, I think everyone knows. There are two types of players. One, simply being happy to just choose a character mm-hmm. and do whatever with the character. Yep. Win or lose, right? Mm-hmm. That possibly be majority. Mm-hmm. And minority, we've been referring to as hardcore, yeah. who want to actually sort of practice, 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 and get better, and when they get raped they get so salty that you know mm. they react quite crazy well sometimes. very emotionally yeah very emotionally i've seen some but mm. yeah and <laughs> oh you should not you know mention the name <laughs> uh, we won't mention any names but yes yeah yeah well and to me the former is fine the latter i mean certain people they've sort of made propositions of getting the Australian community, if not the Melbourne community, but mm. like Australian as a whole, mm. Street Fighter for community should mm. be recognized worldwide. Mm. And we, we, you know, we deserve to have certain attention, etc. I really think it's a good idea, mm. except you need to really plan it. Mm. I mean, no offense to them. I just don't think that, we are kind of quite ready for it because like to be really good at fighting game you have to sacrifice a lot Mm. you can't just you know say be a successful whatever like a business owner or something Mm. and play street fighter like when you have spare Mm. time Mm. and be godlike toxi doesn't do that like toxi had to put a lot of effort in Mm. to be where he is right now Mm. and so is everyone else in the world who's well known Mm. and some people with a lot of spite who can't beat those top players say that all these top level players are like drop out in real world Mm. i mean i take that as a lame excuse of losing Mm. but that partly you know sheds lights to the fact that these players have risked i mean have sort of you know risked a lot to be where they are Mm. 
And if the community wants to be given certain attention worldwide, certain people have to stand up. But that doesn't mean that the rest can actually just sit and, you know, watch TV. Yeah, and, and do nothing or not and, contribute. Yes. And community as a whole has to work together. Mm. Then there becomes a problem when the majority is just a casual player who want to actually just enjoy because these players will not contribute and that's fair enough because they just want to have fun. Mm. So it comes to how desperate mm. these hardcore players are to get this attention. But at the moment, okay, this is purely my personal opinion. Mm. I don't think these hardcore players are putting enough effort in okay. to actually raise the standard, except for Toxie. But how are some of the ways that you think we, the, these players can raise, help raise the level of the community? I mean, what, what can they do? What, what do you think they can do? Well, first of all, you have to play the game until you hate it. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm serious. I, I've always said this to a Surge Strike players. To be good in Surge Strike is like, a studying, like studying a subject at university mm. and getting a really good grade. You, you have to do a lot of things. You have to spend a lot of time. You have to sacrifice. Sometimes, you know, you can't spend time with your girlfriend or with your friends because you have to check frame data. Mm. So you have to yeah. watch videos. Which normal beats, which normal in this exactly. situation, this distance. Mm. And it's not an easy path. So if you're not serious about it, you shouldn't say that you want to improve. Mm. It's easy to say. And then when I try to tell them, I mean, teach them, mm. give them advice. They say, I can't do it. Mm. Well, then why did you say it in the first place that you want to improve? It's a very, very serious, strict, like stoic it's thing. Strict it's really path. hard. Yes. It's a, that's why I say mm. it's part of discipline for me to play fighting game mm. because you have to have a very strong, like iron will mm. to succeed. But the problem is that everyone only has know certain limit that they were willing to go to, to yes. sacrifice and it's not really i guess i don't know is it can anyone out there say what should be the limit that they should sacrifice i mean it's up to the well, person himself right? so this is where i find something very interesting what Takeda told me last year mm-hmm. and he told us during our interview as well mm. that when he was going through high school mm. how, how many hours did he spend practicing a day like 10 hours a day and 10 hours studying. Exactly. And then he slept like three hours a day or something. Yeah. So, that's so, but who can do that in like, like, well, Tokido is like a genius or something, but well, see, I, I don't think do Tokido is a genius. Extremely he's, hardworking he's guy. He's extremely smart. I'll give you that. Mm. But he's put a lot of work in. Exactly. A to, lot of work. Yes. Mm. And, and there is a common pattern that from the interviews that I've seen over the years with Daigo, Margo, Akito, all the Jap- all the world famous big names. When they're asked how much did you play in your youth, mm. they always give the numbers in high double digits every day. Mm. You know, it, to them it basically became like their way of living, mm. and that's I think something that Akira is sort of trying to say here that the the amount of time that you practice, you have to take this as a professional sport. When I played basketball professionally. I had train. I had five training regimens a day. Basically, I get up at six a.m. I run for three k's. 
I come home. I basically then have to study for school. I go to school. I come home. Then I got my gym workout for two hours. Then I have practice for three hours. Then I basically have second gym where I basically do stretches and so forth. Then I go to bed. And I did that five, basically six days a week. And then seven, on the seventh day, we would have basically have a day of rest and we would play games. Day in, day out, you basically become a machine. But okay, to be devil's advocate here, to say to go back to something Akira said, mm. he said that fighting games right now isn't something that can put food on the plate for you, right? And that's the thing. And I think that is the same. That is the case for most people in the world right now, even just in without Hong a doubt. And so that's my point. It's well, a lot to ask for someone to do that for you know a career that well, you can't feed that's yourself. the thing. It's right? it becomes a career, but in a way, it's a perfect balance. I mean, again. Going back to what Sarko said last year, was when he comes home from work, he spends about seven to eight hours playing in training mode and practicing and playing online.、Mm. So that's what I mean. It's in a certain way that this is treated as a if you want to become the best of the best,、mm. you have to be you have to have that sort of mentality.、Mm. Um, and again, there is no money in it, but I'm not sure what their motivation is. Yeah. The motivation is that to be the best, I guess. Yes, and when they put so much effort in, it, it, the the victory becomes even sweeter、mm. when they achieve something, you know.、Mm. And maybe part of it is also because they simply enjoy it. Exactly, they don't see it as a reg- training regimen. It's just to them, to them, and I guess I can say this for my job is to me, my job isn't my job. It's a place where I go to eight hours a day, and I actually have fun because I love doing what I do. I don't see it as a grueling work thing where I have to sit there and do, you know, my my job. It's a place where I go to have fun. And then when I come home, I'm tired, but I feel self satisfied that what I did. And I guess that's the way, the same way you have to look at fighting games for, well, for for the for the guys that for the kiddos of the world, for the magos of the world,、mm. for the daigos of the world. And adding a little bit more to what Igor said,、mm. even though you say you love the work,、mm. sometimes you have shit days, right?、Oh, of course, right? right? Yeah, or shit time, like、mm. shit moment.、Mm. The、right. same goes for like you know fighting games.、Mm. You don't love it and enjoy it every single moment. Even Mago sometimes loses to some you know not so popular players,、mm. and he might you know feel like throwing a coke can at them.、Mm. I mean, he doesn't do it. He's a really you know polite gentleman, but.、Mm. What I'm saying is, you can't just have fun hundred percent of the time. It's bound to be rocky moments, yeah, and, and salt salt mines. And you have to have、points. a strong will to overcome that and continue mm. to mm. progress. Mm. And see, that was why I guess one of the reasons my point was about the type of people that you want to get into this kind of community, because ninety percent of the people who get into this. Go in as a fun, you know. They're they're the ones that Capcom wants to sell to, you know. The let's just call them the casual gamer, and I hate using this term, but the casual gamer.、Mm. But think of the big picture. Oh, I understand. Where、I'm、does、not. the money come from to make Street Fighter Four if not for the ninety percent of these casual gamers? If not for these millions or thousands of casual players, the hardcore community won't have this game to even play. That's why it starts、mm. to take the. Take a whole different dimension when someone says that. Let's improve the community standard、mm. in gameplay because m- most of the players are not there in the community for that.、Mm. They're happy to watch it, 
But if they've been asked to contribute in some way, they're really, really reluctant. I mean, if not hesitant. I mean, because they only want to enjoy. They don't want to actually, you know, go through rock. I mean, like And rocky road. Yeah, like rocky. Well, no. Well, I would actually say more me because if you notice that this year I have actually scaled back on my involvement in the community mm. because well there were certain other issues which sort of prevented me from that, but also because I realized that I'm getting to a point in my life where I, as much as I love the community and I love it and love being involved, but certain other issues in my life do take a little bit more priority at the moment. Mm. I've realized when I first started playing fighting games, just when I started playing basketball, that I will never be a Michael Jordan in fighting games, just like I will never be a Michael Jordan in basketball. Mm. I still love playing it, and I love the the theory of it and all the meta games and everything, and I understand that concept. But I I realize that I will never be one of those guys. Mm. Yeah, well, just like mm. you, Eagle. I mean, my good friend Andy.、Mm. The big boss, the Zangief player.、Mm. Yes,、yeah. he stepped back a bit because he had other priorities in life, and I completely, you know, understand that. And last time I spoke to him,、mm. he said that now that he can enjoy the game much more、mm. because he just plays to have fun,、mm. and he even added that if he beats someone、mm. who's been playing twenty four seven, not twenty four seven literally, but who's been playing a lot more.、Mm. Compared to Andy, who can only play maybe once a week or、mm. even once a month,、mm. then if he could win,、mm. he gets so much more satisfaction out of it.、Mm. Yeah.、Mm. So there's this sort of two different sides in the fighting game that cannot sort of mix.、Mm. One is to take it lightly and have fun,、mm. and give priority to other things.、Mm. The, the the second one is to actually give. The first priority to fighting games sacrifice others、mm. and be the best.、Mm. That's why they are the best.、Mm. They put a lot more in, and I just don't think in this community. Say for example, like the Tech Brothers,、mm. they do a lot backstage.、Mm-hmm. You know, amazing amount,、mm. just like Loki,、mm. right? And without them, there was no Shadowloo showdown last year,、mm. not this one.、Mm. So. To ask, say for example, Saul、mm. to improve, that's a bit too much to ask,、mm. you know, because they're already doing the backstage job, just like you, Eagle, or you, man.、Mm. So it should be like a job of, say, me or Toxi or someone else, if we are willing to sort of, you know,、mm. bring up the community level. But we can't do it alone or like just two or three. We need more people, and I, you know, I don't want to. Sort of mention names, but certain players who were regarded as like top players in Melbourne,、mm. they just, to me, they probably have little more time that they can spend it on,、mm. but they choose to spend that on other things or other priorities.、Mm. So I just think that it, unfortunately we don't have the environment、mm. to sort of grow stronger in terms、mm. of the standard.、Mm. So. If we keep saying it, it's gonna just put pressure on these top players, and it's just gonna sort of do bad.、Mm. So, what do you think of Toxie being in Los Angeles?、Uh, it's a good thing. This month, it's a good thing. I mean, if he's happy,、mm. I'm happy for him.、Mm. You know, I mean, and obviously, he's gonna improve a lot. And he won't 
do it easily. I mean, he has to put effort in, right? Mm, yeah. Of course. I didn't even know what hitbox was until someone explained to me that it is a pad. It's like a it's like a control controller mm. for mm. people mm. without stick. And I go, how do you play without stick buttons? What? You already have six buttons. And then mm. they go, oh, you have like extra buttons instead mm. of a stick. Mm. And like, you know, okay, I see. <laughs> and like, you know, to me, even if someone's willing to pay me, yeah. And send me to, you know, the, where is it? Los Angeles. Yeah, LA, yeah. to the LA to actually practice that and do well in the tournament. I said, no, I can't. Mm. So you two use the stick? No, not that. That's an enorm- enormous pressure and you have mm. no responsibility, if not obligation, mm. to perform mm. well. And I don't like to be put under that much pressure. That's why I sort of step back. And I don't enter as much, as many tournaments as I used to because I can't perform. And like I said, I'm competitive. If I enter the tournament, mm. I only aim for the number one. I don't aim for anything else. I don't set off for number two. Mm-hmm. And luckily, in all the vanilla tournaments I entered, mm. I came first. But that's because I had enough time to prepare for it. Mm. And I, I was motivated enough. Mm. Not so for AE. So, oh, I mean, to switch gears a little bit, you were, you were saying that you picked Sagat in, in Vanilla, mm-hmm. but then in Super, you had a lot of problems because you felt that, you know, you had to play a more turtle style. You're talking about console Super? Console Super, yeah. I hardly ever played. Yeah, but what's the reason? You didn't like Sagat in that Super version, right? Because you couldn't, you couldn't play it aggressively as you wanted, you tag the knee pressure, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, well, I couldn't. And another thing was that it's console, right? Oh, so that's the major thing for you. Yeah, well, that's that's major thing. Then the second major thing was that mm. I wasn't willing to pick up another character and mm. put a lot of effort in mm. where the fighting field is only limited to console mm. because okay. I'm purely arcade bred. I okay. like to sort of play, not face-to-face, literally, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like side-by-side side cabinet and you play mm. and after the match, mm. sort yeah. of you talk exactly. and you exchange info and mm. stuff. And you socialize, like you said, it's a socializing mm. sort of place for me. And if that's not going to happen, and if it's going to be only taking place mainly online where there's a freaking 10 million like frame lag or some shit, mm. <laughs> or once a week gathering, because once a week gathering is not enough for me to gain experience, mm. right? So, and obviously if I want to play, I want to play slightly more hardcore. That's another actually interesting thing that you mentioned or that the is because lately what's actually been happening and I've noticed this happening a lot more is on Xbox Live we're having smaller and smaller groups of people come on every night and actually play together and discuss things and there's currently a project which me and Heavy Weapons are involved in mm-hmm. um, we're trying to sort of start up a sense of like so having one day a week to basically come on in a smaller group of people and this is just going to be a pilot thing where we sit down and we take some of the matches that we had over the week. We sit down, we review them in the re- in the re- preview, like the review channel, and we actually sit down and discuss the matches, the outcomes, why you did things this way, what happened here, what could you have done better, you know, and so forth. That's um, a good thing. It's yeah, a good, good and, idea. Yeah, and originally it started off as a heavy what wanted to just have some YouTube videos recorded for Soul and stuff, mm-hmm. and have uh, uploaded. Um, and then I sort of came along and said, all right, so it's time for Replay Mondays because mm-hmm. I was sort of bored and I wasn't playing Super Street Fighter 4, but I enjoyed watching it. So mm-hmm. I said, well, let's have a look. 
And then, you know, we had a couple of more people come along and yeah, it sort of turned into this sort of place where on Monday night we would all like four or five of us would get into a replay channel and we watch matches that people have had throughout the week, either ranked or, you know, against in casual sessions and so forth. And I think that's actually probably the new avenue because the majority of us are getting older who are actually playing these games to a, uh, put a, you know, air quotes seriously to a certain perspective. And I think, you know, when I come home from work, I know that Monday night, basically from say eight o'clock to about 10 o'clock, I'm going to be in this Xbox live room with four or five people talking about Street Fighter mm-hmm. on how I did during the week. And then basically what well, the other thing that what I've noticed is that throughout the week, as I'm playing, those same sorts of people join those lobbies and we actually play together and we try to try to explore certain aspects of the game, you know, and so forth and so forth, which I think is actually, I think it's slowly getting there on its own, similar to the way the arcades were in the 90s, but now in an online environment. The only problem with that is that Australia's internet sucks and we can't get that one-to-one arcade feel, but it's, I would say that it's about 80% there because the people you usually play with are the people in your local community who you usually have a semi-decent connection with. So it's sort of slowly getting to that point. Now, maybe I just overplayed my cards a little here, but this is something that we're sort of thinking about mm, doing. It's good. It's good. And, and that, then that just sort of reminded me what Momochi wrote in his blog that I happened to actually read. If you cannot explain your single every single move as to why you did it mm-hmm. and what you were sort of what you were thinking, yeah, you're too soft. That's what he said. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that I learned from playing card games a lot. Um, there's this old in Croatia, there's a card game called Belot, which is actually a. But you play it, and what my dad told me is you get seven cards, four different suits, and every card you have, you have to have an idea as to why you're playing this card and what its purpose is in this hand that you're playing. And I find that it's fighting games are very much. In that perspective. Exactly. It's, you know, why am I doing this and what is its purpose that I'm doing it for? Yeah. And what are you trying to achieve? Exactly. Yeah, out By of doing it. this. Yes. Um, and it just, in fa- in card game, each turn may take longer, slightly longer time mm-hmm. and slightly bigger sort of impact exactly. in the whole picture. Whereas fighting game, lots and lots happen, mm-hmm. but still the principle remains the same. You have to be able to explain. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you'll be just doing things or out of highlighting. Yes. So one other thing that we sort of touched on was, you know, speaking about the community and what, how do you feel about, and this isn't just for the Australian community, but in general, how do you feel about player sponsorship? Because today we found out that Margo has been sponsored by Mad Cats. So he's basically joined Daigo on the team. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a good news for him. Mm. But how do you feel overall about community sponsored? Sorry, not community sponsored, but um, brand name sponsored players. Do you think they have an unfair advantage for the up and coming players yeah. trying to achieve, you know, that to get to the that, that stage of Takedo and Margo's sort of? I'm just using them as you know, getting that ten hour grind that we were speaking about. Yeah, I I don't think so because to get the sponsorship, you already you have to be at that level already. Mm. So it's not like 
getting there gets you an advantage. You have to be there to get the sponsorship, well, right? It's not like, you know, they started playing fighting games a couple of years ago. They've been yeah. playing, playing and playing For and decades. finally the hardworking blood, yeah. sweat and guts, the effort. Yeah. Have crystallized into something called sponsorship. Yeah. So obviously, for this, like, say, if you're about 10, 12 years old now, and then you're trying to sort of, you know, mm. follow the, the path of the, you know, these godlike players, mm. it would take a long time. But now that the field is starting to sort of, you know, become more solid, mm. it's it's to their advantage, I think, rather than disadvantage. Mm. And I personally think that sponsored players have a lot of responsibilities, right? Mm. People say that in Japan, Daigo switched from Ryu to Yun mm -hmm. because he is professional. He has to win. He has to, to win. yeah, or provide a result. Feel, does yes. he feel that he has to win? Well, mm. it's probably like a, one Pro of those sense like of unspoken, unspoken yep. code. That he needs to provide results. Yes. Mm. That's why he switched to Yun, mm. right? So, and I completely understand. People say that like, you know, oh, Daigo like slightly become ordinary oh. I mean less exceptional yeah. from sweet by switching yeah. from Ryu to Yun because Yun's already broken mm. right I mean someone who's slightly less skilled than Daigo using Yun could still almost be the same as Daigo so Daigo's sort of like dramatic sort of skill mm. doesn't show much yeah mm. then I say so what he's professional mm. professional has to win most of the times. Mm. So if you're losing most of the times, you can't smile because at the end of the day, win or lose directly relates to how much food he gets on his table. Mm. So, I mean, what right have you got to say that, you know, he's less exceptional or anything? So I understand. And I still think, you know, his Yun is very, very strong. I don't want to play his Yun. <laughs> I'll probably have nightmares. But yeah, I mean, before we start on this tangent, we... I was going to ask you what you thought of AE because um, now you're playing Yun in AE. So as a game? Yeah, yeah. As a game, as in the balance, what do the Japanese think of AE? Just, Why just, are you playing Yun? Just to clarify, yeah. my main is Sagat and it will mm. never change. Okay. He's sexy, that's why. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Even in middle of winter, he's only wearing shorts or spots or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. That's so, you know. So sexy. But, but yes. Hardcore. Hardcore. I use Yun. Mm. A, because I told you that there's no card, so I don't feel like continually using mm. Sagat for yeah, like, like so many random casual matches. Mm. Yeah. And B, because I just, you know, play a little more laid back. Mm. So I want to have fun. Mm. Right? And Yun, even when I lose, I know that I lost because I attacked too much and I too much random uppercut or like you know, <laughs> well calculated uppercut. I don't know yeah. which one it is, but I lost because I uppercut, you know, Metsu or uppercut ultra. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still, you know, fun. Mm. Okay. And as to your question, mm. what I think of an AE, mm. I already knew that it was going to be as bad as this. Mm. Because last year when Tokido came, mm. I asked him yeah. just one simple question because he said that he'd already played AE. Yes before the release, yeah? Mm. And, and he, he said, just, you know, really naturally, oh, it's nothing like Super. Mm. Yeah. The balance yeah. is broken. Yeah. He, mm. he, yeah, he basically said the same thing and, to me as well. And Tokido, mm. one thing that I respect a lot about him is that he has eyes to sort of predict. Mm. Mm. The tears, the balance. Yeah. yeah. He's actually very analytical as well. Exactly. Because he's... His favorite quote in fighting game is set play never betrays you. Mm. 
it's gonna it's never gonna be random set play is set play and it's all frame data mm. numbers and mm. like 50 50 if it's if that's the case it's mm. like probability mm. and in long run it will never mm. let you down mm. that's his you know philosophy yes and yeah. I really agree. And he put a lot of effort into sort of calculate and mm. try to set up these, you know? Like a scientist. Yes. Scientific approach. Yeah. And yeah. he is a scientist. Yeah, and that, that's the way I like to approach it as well. But yeah, keep this mm. continue. Yeah, yeah, so I already knew that it was going to be as bad. Mm. And people just complain about you mm. mainly, mm. right? I don't know why they only complain about you because in Japan, I experienced so much crap from Phelon. Yeah, and Yang. Yes. They're equally bad. Mm. Mm. Lot of players. Like I think it originally came from Daigo, Mago, Tokido, some like mm. those well-known player. Mm. But they said that this is a game about who can Union be alone. Yeah, yeah. And the and, and the other and then the other characters Izangi. who don't have that 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 bad matchup against those yeah, three yeah, characters. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So therefore, like for example, Viper mm. is very broken too, mm. except. So the fact that Viper can't do well against Yoon or Yan, I think. Mm. I don't know about Feilong, but I think it's a tough matchup. Mm. That's why Viper is not like ranked top tier. Mm. Right? Mm. So it's pretty much Yoon Yan Feilong game. It's like third strike again. Mm. Right? Chun, Chun and Yoon. Chun and Yoon can. So do you like that? Do you think it's good for the game to have this sort of, you know, Triple headed dragons oriented. It's similar to rock, pa- rock, scissors, paper. Oh, junk mm. Where each one kind of counterbalances the other to a certain point. Except for in this case, you just have the three types who are all the same. <laughs> okay. But if you take a look at the twin versus twin match, mm. it's whoever really attacks first mm. usually outcomes the winner. And it's really, it's really kind of interesting. Because we've sort of shifted from super, which was fairly turtly, to now more of a aggressive star with the three, with the three basically rushdown of you know the twins and Feilong. And and I think part of the reason why people pay much more attention and they hate much more of Yun mm. than say Yan or mm. Feilong, mm. probably Yan you haven't seen it firsthand, mm. and more of Feilon. Mm. Feilon doesn't have flashy, like, random, like... No, like, EX crazy, but he is just solid. He is really crazy solid. And if you play, say, best um, first of 10, mm. I mean, first of 10, mm. against Feilon, like, a really solid player, mm. you're probably not, wanna, not gonna want to play the game for, mm. like, a month after you play that 10 <laughs> matches. Yeah. Because yeah. I use Sagat, right? Yeah. I play, like, some like reasonably good Feilong players yeah. or like really good ones, yeah. right? I spew. I can't do shit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's beyond mind game. Yeah. Mm. You're infinitely in block stun, for example. Yes. Or you get in situations where you cannot do literally anything and it's basically a 30-70 guess where 30% of the chance that you'll get out with maybe taking, you know, 100 or 200 damage. And, and to, to beat the match, mm. I have to do random shit. Mm, mm. But random shit will not get you victory wins. all the time. And mm. I don't like to rely on, on that shit. random shit all the time. Mm. Right? For example, I tiger shot, ground tiger shot in like certain distance. Mm. After uh, Feilong block, okay, block on block. Mm. After that, if he does Rekka, mm. he can hit one. you, right? No. I can't, I have to block. Oh, you have to block. All right, I can't do anything. Mm. And it, you you may think it's just block. What you get pushed <laughs> to corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't jump against Feilon. Yeah. 
if you actually do wrong Taiwanese, yeah. and if you get it get, gets blocked, you get punished really bad. Yeah. Phelon's command ground deals 400 damage to Sagat. Mm. Because Phelon has character specific, like after command grab, standing yeah. medium punch, chicky wing, chicky standing wing. heavy punch, yeah. uh, Rekka uh, kick. kick. Yeah. Yeah. That's like 400. Yeah. And Sagat is one of the characters. <laughs> it hits. And Kami as well, right? Uh, I'm not really sure. Kami I try not to try not to know much as much of Phelon as possible because <laughs> I hate that bastard. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, you know, it's just, oh my God. Why? Like, okay. I saw this thread in Ozahado, someone saying Phelon's not a top tier or not such a great character. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry to that guy, but it was a really, really entertaining thread to read. I would not comment on that, but I've seen Feilon in Japan and how bad that can, I mean, it can be. Yeah, watching Margot play um, in Revelations was an eye-opening experience of where Margot's Feilon was in Super and the way he just basically mauled through the competition today in the States. And, you know, the States, okay... To be fair, they haven't had the game for as long, but the things that they were doing, it was just an eye-opening experience. Mm. But so what do you think of the long-term, how, how AE will pan out? Do you think the balance of the game will affect the lifespan of it? Mm, I don't know. I just, okay. You think the top eight at EVO will be Yun 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 Yun, Fei Long, Fei Long, Fei Long, Yang? Mm, okay, put it this way. If it's just one match, mm. Anything can happen. A lot of characters have chairs. Mm. Okay? Because... Because the, game, the way the game system is set up. Yes. Well, like one like big guess and you can launch outro or something like, mm. I don't know. But it, it's still anyone's game. Of mm. course, there may be a gross disadvantage like GF, Sagat and stuff. Mm. But still, you can win. That's why a lot of, the, say, for example, tournament like NSB or This Is SBO, it's not single. Mm. It's team. Yes. Mm. To sort of try to make it slightly more character variety mm. but still it's not going to help as much okay? yeah there's well, still yuns on like every team right and, and I, I mean for vanilla yeah. I know the fact that okay this is just Japan I don't know about yeah. elsewhere but a lot of hardcore Japanese players especially top levels yeah. like non-sagat players okay they love to fight sagat because they play that match all the time right no because when they beat it Oh, they feel good. Really good. Uh, they, some, some even said, I played that game to, to beat Saka <laughs> and Akuma. Uh, okay. Okay? So, so we have that kind of very strong mentality. Mm. I mean, we always complain, but we, at the same time, we put effort in, try to sort of mm. analyze the character matchup, etc. Mm. But like, I don't know about Yoon because Yoon's sort of, Yoon is not as I used to say that Yoon's more broken than Vanilla Saka. Mm. And I want to re- actually, you know, apologize because Yoon's not as broken as Vanilla Saga. <laughs> Feilon, probably not still. Mm. Vanilla Saga was very broken. Mm. But that's why people really sort of like to sort of beat Saga. Mm. Mm. Now Yoon, Yan, and Feilon. And, and the style that Yoon and Yan uses, especially for example, like Yan, just uh, uh, super, mm. that duplicate, uh, yeah. Sayembu. Mm. And like you have unblockable and really hard mix up to block and like it's just the style that people don't like, you know. Sagat is just a broken damage. Mm-hmm. But if you're really good with footsie and all these things, mm-hmm. you can beat him. Yun and Yan, whereas 
it's just different style. Mm-hmm. It's like they're much. They have so rich. much advantage on certain moves that some characters it's basically a suicide mission. Yes. Or, or what I like to think of it is like Sagat plays the game in a linear way. You know, horizontal planes, vertical planes, tiger shots, uppercuts. You and Yang play the game in like angled ways. They can change the the vectors of the game. They and can attack you from different grabs. Yeah, yeah. And command grabs are part of this. Well. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, being plus one on lunge punch. Uh, EX, on EX, lunge, yes, yeah. on EX lunge punch basically gives him four options. Normal grab, crouching short or crouching uh, th- sorry, crouching light punch, crouching light kick mm. or command grab. Mm. So you have basically four guesses every time of what he's going to do. Well, exactly. Say you block EX lunge punch, right? You're minus one. Even if you have three frame move, if you does crouch light punch faster, so you'll be you eating it, right? Eating it, yeah. And if you block, right? If you block... You EX grab. Mm. EX grabs five frames start up. Mm. From the very first frame, it's throw invisibility. Mm. You try to crouch tech or standing tech, you're screwed, basically. If you do crouch tech at the fastest timing, and if it's a three frame move, like say dictator's crouch like kick, mm. it will come out mm. just before, but yeah. it has to be really Pretty quick. Like frame, but if you thing. do that, you lose to the fastest light punch. Mm. And see, that's why characters, for example, let's say DJ, my character, he has no three frame moves. Oh, GG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my fastest crouching move is four frames, and that's a light punch. So my, my crouch tech is actually five frames, which is my crouching light kick. So basically, I'm screwed. Uh, the only thing I can do is block and pray that he doesn't do EX command grab, and then I could tech his normal grab. Because I can't press any normals, because I lose. Three frames beat my four and five. Yeah. Then say, like, this is what I saw in NSV, mm. just recent... The most recent NSV. Memomochi one of you. Yeah, what Kindeva did, mm. right? EX lunge punch against Chun Li, okay? Against Y24, mm. the Chun-Li. best Chun Li in Nagoya, mm. who used to beat me 8 2 mm. in vanilla. Mm. Damn. He blocked lunge punch, right? EX mm. lunge punch. And what Kindeva did was crouch night punch, mm. EX lunge punch. And EX, <laughs> that second one, is a crouch tech breaker. Yeah. Mm. And he will even kill backstep. Back, back will kill back, any, yeah. I mean, anything. Yeah. Then he ate it. Kindeva did ultra. Yeah. Yeah. Game over. <laughs> or the second lunge punch will push you right into the corner. Mm. And then you're stuffed anyway. Yeah. So That's two meters. But the other <laughs> thing is, they build meters so quickly. Yes, exactly. They can just keep doing it. So it's like, I see. Well... And then Kindevu. Super Turbo for me. And then Kindevu. And then, and then, okay, in Japanese, mm. Kusoge means, Kuso means shit. Mm-hmm. Ge is the short form for game. Mm-hmm. So Kusoge means like a shit game. Like, yeah. you know, mm. this is broken. It's yeah. like, you know, the game is broken. Yeah. And everyone said that. Even the, the commentator, yeah. Gamano Abura, yeah. the NSB, you know, yeah. organizer, he said that. Yeah. And what Kindevu said in reply to that was, this is the way how the game is designed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it, you know, it's just, this is the way it is made. So you can't really, you know, complain. If you're going to complain, might as well use Yoon. It's perfectly legal within the game rules. Mm. But some people just can't accept it. And I understand. Mm. But I just play. And this is what I've always believed. At the point when you decide to play a game, mm. you're not forced to pick a particular character. 
No one's putting, pointing a gun at you and telling you to choose Ryu or mm. choose Juri or choose, you know, Hakan. But I did choose Hakan. <laughs> so, it's your choice. I don't understand why people complain when it's your choice, absolutely, to choose a character at your own free will mm. and you lose and you complain the opponent's character. Oh, but what if you choose a character of your own free will and you enjoy using him, but he gets nerfed in every edition of the game. Well, if you love it so much, then you shouldn't, you know? Mm. I mean, I have a friend in Japan mm. who continues to use Blanca mm. and he complains all the time to me because we're really good friends, right? Mm. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna switch to another character. I'm gonna switch mm. to you and I'm gonna switch. But he still plays Blanca in his master. Mm. And he, you know, people give credit to him, mm. right? But, so... But some of the enjoyment is lost because like, you know, let's say the Gen players in Super who, you know, do the medium kick hands, medium kick hands, they spend so much time mastering it and then it's taken away in... in medium kick hands? Sorry, from Vanilla to Super. Uh, from Vanilla to Super, sorry. You know, Gen, the character, he does Gen, yeah. medium kick hands, medium kick hands, the loop. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then they took it out in Super and then, like... Yeah, it took some people's, you know, a good five to six months to master the yeah. loop. And, and then, then it was removed. Removed. The next version. The, their main offensive strategy. And then some people say, fuck this, is like to a completely different character. I'm just well, going to well, play. Then, 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 then don't play. That's my answer. Then it's horrible, right? You, what, what, you, why? Because it's like... Because you invested a certain amount of time into a character which you enjoyed playing mm. and you want to continue playing that mm. character because you enjoy the character. You like mm. the character design. Then, you like the character, mm. the way they work and so forth. But mm. because... You know, the Capcom gods decided that this character has either this or doesn't need this, mm. then you basically cannot enjoy the character to that certain it's, level it's, of mm. what they could. Or it just changes the game to, to such a different level mm. that it's that character is not the same anymore. And I understand what you're going to say is, well, then just change character because it's not the same. I understand that, but it's sort of, to a certain point, it's like a loyalty factor. Mm. Where you invested so much time into something, mm. then, then it's basically taken away. It's mm. like, okay, let, let me put it this way. Say you're building a house, right? And you invest $100,000 into that house. And then the government comes along and says, sorry, you're going to lose that house because we're going to build a highway. Mm. And there's nothing you can do. That's basically sort of that feeling. Mm. It's like you well, invested so much time mm. and then it's just taken away. Then I have one question. Mm-hmm. People who divorce, do they never remarry? They put, they invest so much time and exactly. effort into relationship, mm-hmm. yet it's screwed up. They decide mm-hmm. to walk the separate path. They will come back. I mean, not come back, but they will, you know, gather strengths mm-hmm. to try to enter another relationship. It's the same thing. And, and the thing is, I think it's it comes to definition of love. Mm-hmm. You 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 love that person or that character for who it is. Who and she is, who he is, right? Mm. Yeah. And if that, I mean, it's it's totally absurd to compare games to, you know, mm. relationship, but nothing remains the same forever. That's true. They change. Mm. And sometimes you accept the change, sometimes you can't. When you can't accept the change, you have no choice but to leave mm. for your own good. Exactly. Mm. And I think it's just a game, so maybe I'm talking too serious. But, but to some people it's not. For some people, it's much more than that. Mm. It gets to that point with some people, it's much more than just a game. Then you should play the old version. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's what you have. Super Turbo HD Remix. 
people still play Super Turbo because they don't like HD Remix. That's why, that's why I played Vanilla mm. even after a console release because I like to, you know, mm. play in the arcade and I didn't really, you know, buy console or anything. People recommended me mm. and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's partly why I didn't do well in the, in the BAM or something. Mm-hmm. But I accepted it because, the, I mean, of course, I felt really bad mm-hmm. for, for, like, say, Toxie and the others, like mm-hmm. Soul and who did well in, the, mm-hmm. you know, five on five and had me as the last. Mm-hmm. And, like, I didn't even prepare. Mm-hmm. So I let them down and I owe an, I mean, owe an apology to them. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I just didn't have the love, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you can't really, you know, have everything in your way. Mm. Life is full of, you know, oh, shit's cool. happening. Mm, mm. So mm. you have to accept it, I guess. Mm. So if you really can't stand Yoon, rather than bitching, the mature attitude or approach would be to actually keep it quiet and enjoy the game as much mm. as you can or just not play. Because okay. like some people enjoy, what's it called? Uh, Marvel versus... <laughs> yeah, I, but see, personally, I love that game. Personally, That's good. I hate it. But anyway. Okay, all right. But I mean, I've never played it, mm. and like, for, uh, like I, I don't intend to play. Mm. But like, you know, it's fun to watch because like someone pressing one button and looks like the same move again and again, and like mm. Martin just died, like you know, before the interview, mm. and then you say, I just had fifty k, and I had no idea what that fifty k referred to, but mm. like he just yeah. died, and like you know, for me it's interesting to watch, mm. but obviously players who find themselves mm. won't find it fun. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but to switch text again, sorry. Um, yeah. You're gonna be on the Bomb's team for Shadow Showdown, right? You, Gensa, and Bomb, right? How did you get that information? Bomb to us. Oh, did he? On the interview. <laughs> it's gonna be on the interview, so yeah. everyone will know. So, are you gonna be doing like some training for Shadow Showdown? Yeah, of course. Mm. You're gonna well, be it, was, it was actually Bomb who asked me mm. through Harry. Mm. So, I guess I have to, you know. Really train. You suck at. I suppose, yeah. Because uh, Gensa is using, uh, Henry is using Yun and Bomb using Yang, so you yeah. have to play suck at. Right? No, well, I know my job. Mm. My job is to get rid of Yun and Yang. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. That is the, you know, mm. team strategy. I mean, Bomb wanted me to, and I don't think I can be Kindevu. Sorry, Bomb. Because <laughs> I played in Japan, it was 19 0, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Damn. 19 0. Mm. But, but, uh, so wait, did you play Daigo too? No, because I told you. Oh, you're only in the Goya. I played Momochi's uh, Cody. Yeah. And for his, you know, owner, I wouldn't say the result. Yeah. But I didn't go bad. Oh. But it was only one match. So uh, And Cody Sagat is in favor of Sagat. Sagat, yes. But not Sagat Yun. Sagat Yun is even. Even. Oh. Yeah. So. That's why, I mean, and... I, I, I didn't play... Did I play his Yoon? Maybe once. I mean, Momochi's Yoon. Maybe once. I, I, I said that Momochi and Kindevu's Yoon. Mm. I didn't beat. Mm. Bamba Ban, mm. who is about 105,000 BP now, mm. who was in the, uh, the NSB just last one, mm. who made it to top eight. Mm. I played him and I think I won about three or four mm. out of ten or something. Mm. So, the very first time I played against him... Mm. My friend is a good friend of him, mm. and he said to me that, oh, Bamba Ban said, you know how to fight against Yoon. Mm. And I said, 
oh, this is my like second or third time. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm really honored. <laughs> but yeah, well, my job is to sort of be the twins. Be the twins for Bomb and and. and yeah, well, because I have so many bad matchups, mm. yeah. and they beat everybody else basically. Mm. They beat Sim. They beat uh, who's who else is a Gasper? Did they beat Phelong or did they do well against Phelong? Phelong's even, I think. Mm. Also, even is better than the bad matchup for Sagat. No, Phelong Sagat is about 6.5, minimum mm. 6.4 in minimum favor of Phelong. Mm. And Dao Sim is mm. also hard. Mm. And who else? Uh, Akuma is okay. Akuma, yeah, yeah. Akuma is okay. But, but Yun rapes Akuma, right? Mm. Yeah, so there's a, uh, there's a Dudley. Oh, Dali. Dali is one of the worst matchups of Sagat. Really? Yes. Yeah, because of EX ducking and ducking. Everything. And Ultra 1. Yes. I can't tiger shot unless it's full, full screen. Mm. My standing heavy kick, mm. I can't use. A, because I lose the jump heavy kick. Yeah, and Although, the other thing is it does massive damage. And standing heavy kick, mm. option select, mm. my heavy standing heavy kick will lose. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's a really bad matchup. Mm. So uh, I have a few bad matchups, but it mm. should be, you know, but it's an interesting team. It looks like, you know, at least someone has a plan to take down some of the internationals as Shadow Showdown. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I don't know what kind of teams are already confirmed mm. from like overseas. I mean, mm. like they, I know who's coming, mm. but I don't know who's teaming up with who. Yeah. Oh, so, but what about oh, Third Strike? Are you I entering Third Strike? I can tell you one thing. Daigo and... Mago will be on the same team. team Daigo, Mago, Tokido. That's it. Choco, Kindebu, Momochi. <laughs> GG Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll still try my best. Of course. How so, about third strike? Yeah, third strike. Are you entering third strike? So what do you think of your chances again in third strike? Are like? Zero. <laughs> okay, I tell you this. Have you played Deshikan in MOV before? MOV? Yeah. I can never beat. Yeah. He is God not like, human. Not human. Wow. Mm. I talked to Mezono mm. in person over mm. the phone. Mm. When? About three weeks ago, something like that. Mm. I said, I'm betting on you. I'm hoping that you have a chance against MOV. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, I heard no, so. no one can beat MOV. What about Kuroda? Possible. But Kuroda mm. doesn't like Chun-Li, so he might not want to. I mean, Kuroda is not coming besides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. mm. I've heard similar reports that MOV is the technically unbeatable. Mm. To a certain point when people he, do not want to play. Is he him. unbeatable or just the best Chun? Almost to a point it's unbeatable. Mm. Because he's the best Chun. Something like that. He's the best Chun and Chun is the best best character. But then people think Korora is the best because he can play a lot of characters his own style. Something like that. But okay, put it this way. Korora Mm. absolutely hates Chun-Li as Mm. far as I know. Mm. And I don't think he respects Chun-Li players in general except Mm. for one or two. And that's MOV, I believe. Otherwise, why would he team up with MOV? So what about Deshiken? How do you think? I think Deshiken retired a long time ago. He hasn't played for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know that every year they have this like to- big tournament in Kyushu. Mm-hmm. And like say Kokujin and all the famous players, they travel all the way to Kyushu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like sort of like reunion kind of a thing as oh. well. But I think Deshiken hasn't been entering SB or anything for mm-hmm. the last past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'm just counting on Umezono. Okay. He's my he's my mentor. He's your mentor, but uh, but yeah. I mean, we recently saw MOV in Europe, right? Playing Street Fighter Four and doing really well. So mm. Rose, uh, playing Ken, mm. Ken, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, in s- my prediction in Search Strike is that not a chance for Cyrus. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> what about Nick? What about Nick? Uh, 
Sorry, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it was an interesting thing because Henry told me that he's going to take third strike. Yeah. yeah, what did he say about last ban? Yeah, I heard a similar thing as well. Last ban, he said, oh, Akira is free. <laughs> Akira is gay and free. Yeah. And I, I did beat him. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't played for a long, long time back then. <laughs> but I still want, maybe he was a bit nervous. Hope mm. he will be able to redeem himself. Mm. Oh. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But <laughs> when it comes to Surf Strike, I, I have yeah, a very competitive mind, so mm -hmm. I don't even want to lose to the coach. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, is there any last, anything else you want to talk about? Like, just. Mm, shout outs. Or yeah, we've, we've talked about the Japanese community, your history, your Shadow Showdown, and the community and Arcade mm. Edition. So, anything else you want to talk about? The future? I think. You know, you guys are really lucky to have mm. the community you do. We are. We are and really lucky to be in I mean, Melbourne. Of course, you two have put a lot of effort in. Not, I mean, other people have done way more. Yeah. I yeah. mean, of course, but I mean, you two have some part, you know, mm. to mm. contribute. So it's really good, you know, and I hope that the community will continue to grow mm. and, you know, they will need you guys mm. on top of the others. So, mm. and I'm happy to just, you know, put pieces and bits in whenever I can. Mm, mm. Yeah. Just as long as it's not gonna, you know, sort of like get in my other priority. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's understandable. So, yeah. That's understandable. So, uh, yeah. So any shout outs to anybody you want to give? Mm, well, thanks for, you know, <laughs> having me as an interviewee. Yeah. It's, it's our pleasure. I'm actually really glad we got around to doing this yeah. before Shadow Showdown as well, mm. because your name was actually one of the trailers. And I wanted to interview because not too many people outside of Australia actually know who you are. Mm. But given through this interview and, you know, your history of even going to SBO and whatnot, mm, mm. I think it's actually really good to show that Australia does have... International caliber players. Exactly. Yeah, like Toxie has been an evil, Bomb has been to Hong Kong to eat food mm. Gamer B. <laughs> exactly. So we do have the potential to actually be good mm. and i think the rest of australia is slowly getting around to to it, mm. it, it it's it's a natural slow process it's mm. similar to evolution you know over millions of years we finally got somewhere well we're trying to speed that up a little mm. <laughs> hopefully in the next three or four years mm -hmm. we're on the right track i mean mm. i'm not in a place to stay but everyone's mm. doing great mm -hmm. you know in terms of support we get in a lot and mm. yeah Mm -hmm. I'm quite happy to see. I mean, because I was originally involved heavily in search strike community, mm -hmm. and once there was even like one of two or three Melbourne moderator mm -hmm. because Kevin and like Locke weren't doing much mm -hmm. because they were too busy with other stuff. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've always wanted the community to grow mm -hmm. and to see how far you guys have come. Mm -hmm. I mean. I'm just an old retired fart. Yeah. But really happy to see that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so awesome. big props to everyone who's involved. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Akira. Thank you, Akira. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is Accessum from The X Report and Shadaloo.com. Keep listening to being a. <laughs> You're listening to Don't Be a Scrub Podcast. Right, right, cut it out. You're listening to Don't Be a Scrub Podcast. Stay hungry, stay salty, and continue listening. It's going to be a lot of editing work. Yeah!
Once again, we'd like to thank Akira for sitting down and doing the interview with us. I think that's going to wrap it up for episode 13 of Don't Be a Scrub Podcast. Um, as always, stay hungry, stay salty, and thank you for listening. Thank you.